You're listening to A Show of Hearts, the podcast about finding the courage to live a deep and magical life. I'm your host, life coach, Rosemary Pritzker. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to introduce you to today's guest, my dear friend and mentor, Chartwell Dutiro. He's from the Shona tribe of Zimbabwe and is a master Mbira player and professor. Mbira is a traditional mystical instrument that's purpose is to call on the ancestors. It's also the instrument you hear at the beginning and end of every episode of my show. So I'm thrilled for you guys to learn more about its meaning and history. Chartwell holds a master's degree in ethnomusicology from SOAS University in London and is currently working on his PhD in collaboration with Dialogue using Mbira as the backbone. As you'll hear in our interview, he has a great deal of knowledge and wisdom about both traditional cultures and modern culture and how the two can either be woven together in a beneficial way or how they can clash in a way that breaks us as individuals and as a society as a whole. This conversation was recorded two years ago, when A Show of Hearts was just a faint idea, so you'll notice that the interviewing style and overall sound differ a bit from my other interviews, but his wise and insightful words are pretty timeless. So I hope you enjoy the unique and thoughtful perspective that he has to share. When we sat down, I asked Chartwell to talk about what the Mbira is and the purpose that it serves in his culture. Mbira is a sacred, traditional instrument from Zimbabwe and uh, it is made of three different components. Uh, It's hand-forged metal pieces that are placed on very hard wood and at the bottom of the wood we have a metal plate that has anything that buzzes. Sometimes it's yeah, in Zimbabwe is landlocked and sometimes people use snail shells or sometimes ostrich egg shells, which I have used a lot. And now in this modern time we put bottle tops and uh, when we play the mbira we use two thumbs and an index finger. So the thumbs are plucking down and the index finger is plucking up the high notes. And because Mbira is so quiet, we then place it inside a god. So you can imagine a god grows up like a pumpkin and we let it dry in the field. It changes color, it becomes a bit brown. Then we cut off the god, we cut off the top and scoop out all the seeds. And sometimes they are hanged in a kitchen hut where it can smoke and it has this kind of 
shiny brown in color. And then we put also bottle tops or shells around it for even more buzzing. But the resonance of the gold gives the mbira a bit more volume. So can you talk a little bit about the purpose of the mbira? It has got a pivotal role. And the mbira player is like a linchpin between the ancestors' world and the living people. So we play mbira in these ritual ceremonies which are called bira. Mbira is spelled M-B-I-R-A, mbira. And we take off the M, B-I-R-A, it becomes that's the name of the ceremony and we you know Shona people for centuries have believed that we know there's a creator there out who created people and things around the world so to connect with the creator we go through the ancestors and to connect with ancestors, we have to have ceremonies and we have spirit mediums. In Shona culture, a spirit medium or a, a shaman is talked about as a pocket, you know, like a pocket where you put things, or a vessel where the spirit of the ancestor come and temporarily inhabit for the night and talk through the medium. So... The music summons the spirit of the ancestors to come and temporarily inhabit in a medium or mm-hmm. a shaman. You've talked about how you started playing when you were four years old. <laughs> I started playing when I was four years old, and it wasn't easy because at that time I was born in Rhodesia, which was a, co- a British colony, basically, and uh, there was a apartheid system. I grew up in what they called reserves, like the reserves we know. And the other word for it was TTL, which means tribal trust lands, Mm. which means the missionaries, the British, decided that, oh, let's move these people out of the fertile land and put Mm -hmm. them into a gravel land. Sounds a lot like what happened here to the Native Americans being put onto reservations. Exactly. In places that weren't necessarily where their tribe actually had been. They were moved from the land, mm-hmm. yeah. from the fertile land. Yeah. So growing up in that system where people are segregated because of the color of the skin, and I grew up with Salvation Army. I want, I like to call it Sally Army. It wasn't easy for a young boy. I missed a lot of Sunday schools because I would have been playing Mbira for the whole night for my ancestors. It was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. There's a word, Marombe in Shona, which means a vagabond, mm. you know, a young person. Why not be a doctor or a teacher or something? Mm-hmm. And uh, because of missing Sunday schools as a young boy, I was also in trouble with Salvation Army, Sally Army. Mm-hmm. But my mother was always there. She was also singing. Mm-hmm. And she said, you have to play music for your ancestors. So playing Mbira at the age of four was not easy. Mm. And at some point I was even shy to carry my mbira, but my mother would carry the mbira. Did you guys have to hide the fact that you were playing mbira? 
because of the apartheid system? Well, that happened before even when I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mbira was banned and the spirit mediums were hanged in, in, in actual fact. Ah. The, the whole history of Zimbabwe is based on a woman called Neander. She was a powerful spirit medium who was resisting from colonialism. So she mobilized the whole country and tell Shona people to go and get guns and fight for independence. Mm. But the missionaries didn't like this, so she was hanged and executed. They cut off her head and mm. took it to England. Uh. That was in 1897. So the music was then banned. Mm. The ceremonies were banned because they were looked at as uh, uh, worshipping the devil. So by the time I grew up, Things were kind of a little bit relaxed, but still, when the ceremonies are happening, you'll be watching out in case some authority might come. Right. Um, but, you know, when, when you ban something, it doesn't mean it disappears. Mm. We have got an intellectual problem, a, mm. an academic problem in that mm-hmm. sense, uh, which is basically science versus cultures. Well, and head versus heart. Yes. And masculine versus feminine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. Science believes that you want to talk about something, you've got to measure it. Then we don't have a device really that can measure how many circles yeah. per second mm-hmm. is the spirit yeah. traveling before mm-hmm. it enters the body. Mm-hmm. So the argument we can't measure it, so it can't be real. This is the problem we have, because then if you are connected with the spiritual world like I do, I can't talk about the ancestors coming as a spirit comfortably, Mm -hmm. or I can't talk about a dream that I have dreamt about that came true, because people will think I'm weird. But in Shona culture, you could probably say the whole culture is weird in that mm-hmm. way. So that's the impact of Roman Catholic Church of England, Salvation Army, colonialism. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is split families. And I don't even know, maybe different generations. I think the only way to deal with it is to is education and when I talk of education, it's a dangerous game because then you don't want to go extreme education, which is mm-hmm. really academic and scientific, which is actually where the argument is. You know, we, we, we talk about colonialism and, and we also forget about the capitalism, which is actually, it's like a many-headed monster eating everybody around. It's like one of those monsters that eats its own children. And this is all in combination of Christianity because it becomes the value of if you are not with us, then we bomb you. This is the whole war we have. We are having in the world. It's actually yeah. not only Christianity, it's religious. Yeah. And that is the biggest problem. You know, apartheid ended and... Zimbabwe supposedly became free, but it's still, the culture there is still very much affected by colonialism, by Christianity, and a lot of people are still 
afraid of or against learning Mbira participating in the traditional ways of the Shona people because they still believe that it's like the devil. And it's all kind of been polluted Mm -hmm. because we talk about colonialism and and its education. So Zimbabwe is independent, 36 years independence. Mm -hmm. But the people who are ruling and the people who are academics were all educated in colonial Mm -hmm. structures. And some of them, we are here. I live in England and there's lots of Zimbabweans in here in the USA. I was mm-hmm. sort of working with some of them in different universities, and they don't even talk about the Mbira and the ancestors. They talk about Jesus Which Christ. Which is like the soul of Zimbabwean history yeah. and culture. And that is when capitalism comes in, isn't it? Because everybody... Well, and war and, yeah. yeah, and everybody is kind of trained to be a useful asset to feed... This system. What happens when an individual person who is a good person and has a good heart, but is in a culture where there is no soul, how are they supposed to get through life? They don't survive, really. Because then the ancestors who you're supposed to recognize mm. are not happy. You know, in cultures where they don't communicate with the ancestors, they don't have any practices in any way having to do with the ancestors. In Zimbabwe and Shona culture, they believe that the ancestors are here, right? So what happens in cultures... yeah. Yeah, so what happens in cultures where they're not communicating with the ancestors? Are they causing problems or are they just kind of stuck? How does that work? They are causing problems. And these problems are to do with health issues, you know. And, And yesterday we talked about shamanic sicknesses Mm -hmm. it happens it happens in shona culture it happens here people get so sick Mm -hmm. so ill Mm -hmm. to a point where the only way we can deal with this Mm -hmm. is non-spiritual at all we look for the drugs when those people practice some form of spirituality in a way that's helping people a lot of times those illnesses either go away or get way better. That's what I'm talking about when I say shaman sickness. Yeah, but you know, when the ancestors come mm-hmm. as well, we, we in, in, in Shona culture, we don't believe that all the ancestors are perfect because mm-hmm. they, they were humans before. Imagine if my grandfather killed somebody in the street. It doesn't mean he's not my grandfather. And when they die... Then we have a bira ceremony. Mm-hmm. We call that spirit. We might not know that they killed somebody. Right. And the, the, the spirit of that person who he killed mm-hmm. will come into our family, causing mayhem. So what do you do when that happens, when there's a spirit of either someone who was murdered or someone who did the murdering? Then you have a ceremony. Mm-hmm. Because a bira ceremony, then you call the spirit. Mm-hmm. And you talk to the spirit and they tell you. Because this is about creating peace, making peace and reconciliation between the people from where the person was killed. It could be that my grandfather was killed by somebody as well. And when he comes, he said, I wasn't ready to die. Somebody killed me. And in that family who killed my grandfather, father mm-hmm. will be having a nightmare as well and they go to a shaman they say oh you killed this man yeah 
you need to go to that family and have a reconciliation. Then we come back to the church, and yeah. what do they do? They yeah. say, you know, when someone is seeing things that not, uh, many people would see, then it's schizophrenic. Then the church says, well, let's cleanse that demon. Well, unless it's the Pope and the God, and God <laughs> is talking to him, you know. <laughs> and if the spirit of my ancestor comes in a church context where yeah. people are singing, then they say it's a Holy Spirit. But it's my ancestor mm-hmm. who was called by the singing. So what do you think of the idea of uh, reincarnation? I believe ancestors come back a year after somebody died. Then we have a memorial service, mm-hmm. which is a bit as well, where mm-hmm. we played three days. And we actually go to the grave and dance on top of the grave. Oh, wow. And evoke the spirit to bring mm. it to the home. Mm. It's like metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. It's like we know that it's now time for the spirit to come back mm-hmm. and take care of the children mm-hmm. and people around. Mm-hmm. So you see me with all these beads. They mm-hmm. are not just beads. Mm-hmm. They represent different ancestors. Mm-hmm. So white beads represents ancestors on my grandmother's side. Oh. The black beads ancestors on my grandfather's side Mm -hmm. and the red beads all different ancestors they could Mm -hmm. be aunt they could be uncle they Mm -hmm. could be cousin because Mm -hmm. the moment somebody dies they are in that world of the ancestors Mm -hmm. so we have to call them back and come and give daily guidance and that daily guidance is about healing people it's the healing of the mind consciousness what you believe in, what is it that makes you who you are? We have a lineage. You know, I have to yeah. know seven generations of my ancestors. Mm. So if you can imagine seven generations, each ancestor had issues in life when they were living. So the purpose for the Mbira and mm-hmm. the purpose that a Mbira player has mm-hmm is to connect people with their ancestors Mm -hmm. and their identity. And when we lose identity, then we're just wondering. We can try that and try this, but the ancestors are looking down, you know, on us, Mm. saying, well, what are you looking for? All I need is for you to recognize that I'm there. And, you know, we travel. The ancestors are always around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes when we lose the ancestors, then we are talking about something that is almost like we have to follow this book. So that is a basis of capitalism, actually. Mm -hmm. Because then we are all interpreting it in different ways. Right. And what we forget in all that journey of interpreting this book right. is we forget the ancestors. So do you pray to the ancestors every day? I do. How do you do that? Well, in my house, I have a shrine which is got snuff. You can see I've got a little... Oh, yeah, diff- he was introducing this to me yesterday. It's an herb from Zimbabwe that's a little bit like ginseng. Yeah, it's all mixed with the different herbs. Mm-hmm. And that is channeling me mm-hmm. to, you know, before we spoke, we said, okay, can we speak? Yeah. I had snuff. And yeah. I said, I'm going to tell the ancestors. Yeah. So 
they are always around me, and there's yeah. no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. Even when people, you know, in, in Zimbabwe, I say, Makadi, which is, how are you? Yeah. I'm not just saying, how are you, Rose? I'm saying, how are you and all those around you? We have to have a reverse psychology here mm -hmm. if we are going to succeed. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we are doomed, really. We have to think about our DNA, our, right. our ancestors, and what they have done. How do you deal with something like the Holocaust? with how many people died and in such brutal ways and all of the people who did the killing, like, what do you do about that? Well, I think we don't have to forget. These people who died and the people who did the killing, if we have, and we, we probably are better off having a national cleansing, you know, awareness. Yeah. How much... Embira playing and ritual, do you think it would take to clean up all of those spirits from the Holocaust and from what happened in Rwanda and Vietnam and yep. wherever else, you know, the Native Americans? It's not only Mbira, you know. There's other right. music in different traditions. Mm -hmm. And there's other shaman people who are talking like the way we are talking now. And, you know, we are building bridges. Yeah between cultures. If I was really angry about yeah. what colonialism did, I wouldn't be living in England because that's where the colonial masters came. And if I was really angry, I wouldn't be here because the slaves, we, we talk about the Holocaust, the biggest tragedy about America as it is today yeah. is the, the story of the slaves yeah. and the native people. Which still very much affects American culture. People don't really stop and think about that. Yeah, and that's where, you know, this monster yeah. of individualistic capitalism yeah. mm -hmm. confuses us, us all because we don't have time to think. If I was angry about the slaves that came and built America, they mm -hmm. went into cotton fields mm -hmm. and the subways and all these things... Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here. So I have to have a purpose. Bit by bit, we keep talking. There's a Peruvian shaman that I know who talks about how the antidote to a lot of this stuff, the antidote to a person's own trauma, to a lot of the problems in the world, is belonging. Yeah, exactly. Where do, do I belong? I mean, the beauty of the Mbira, if I can give you an example, is actually it has touched people. Mm -hmm. Some of them have gone to Zimbabwe mm -hmm. and go into these ritual ceremonies mm -hmm. and connect with their ancestors. And bit by bit, we have people like this. Nora and Chris Berry, the people who played in Mbira the night you yeah. first had it, they have been to Zimbabwe. Yeah. Chris has been to my village. What is interesting is some of the people who never wanted to see the Mbira, this is a colonial mentality, when they see Chris or Nora playing Mbira, or you, yeah. if I take you, they say, you're playing the instrument of my ancestors. Can you teach me? Yeah. For me, that's the beauty. Mm -hmm. it's, we're not converting people. We're just saying, let's be aware of what is around us, belonging. What is it that we are belonging to, and how right. are we contributing to it? And how can we create or find a place in this world where we can feel like we belong with people we feel connected with. 
and we can protect whatever we think we have. So that, that idea of socialism, mm -hmm. socializing, I don't know, that word has been contaminated as well. Because when people hear about socialism, they think about communists. Right. And, and, but actually, it's those communities that we are lacking. Mm -hmm. And yet we are all together in this yeah. big place. Yeah. But we are not six degrees apart. You know, we are not connected. And what is that? It's because the system actually doesn't allow us to do that. Yeah. So it's the structure that governs the people where we have problems. What does it mean to you when you hear the term follow your heart? You have to go inside yourself, isn't it, and listen. You know, when I said there's more than one person in each individual, that heart is questioning, mm -hmm. am I at the right place? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be doing that, but I, anyway, I have to do this because yeah. this gives me money. I, I don't want to be here, and then we have headaches, and you think, where is that headache coming from? So we're not following our heart, mm -hmm. really. It's, it's this thing of being afraid of something that we don't know. And what brings that in us is actually the system. We have so many negative voices that come to us. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. So a lot of smoke screens mm -hmm. in the system that yeah. allows people not to follow their hearts. Because yeah. every time you think... I really would like to heal people. And then you think, oh, I don't have money. How do I do that? When in reality, there are a lot of people out there who need healing who would pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're taught in, in our culture to do something normal and respectable so that you can make lots of money because making lots of money is the goal. When and actually... you can be happy. When I talk about building bridges, you know, my wife, she's English. Mm -hmm. If I was affected by colonialism and followed that concept of me being primitive. And, you know, because it came a time where everything black is right. bad, everything white is good, which means everything that you do is better than what I do. It doesn't matter what it is. So if I was thinking like that, I wouldn't have married an English woman. How did you do that mentally? I mean... It's very hard to describe, but you know this thing of independence that comes in politics. You know, Zimbabwe is independent in 1980. We can all move. There's, if, there's something very positive about that, that actually is like the shackles have come off. Yeah. And I have time to think, oh, actually I can go to England. And then I see a white woman who looks beautiful to me, and I say, okay, but it's a two-way, you know? She's also attracted to me. And believe me, it's not easy because the cultural clashes, conflicts come into these relationships, and sometimes it triggers in me mm -hmm. the things that I think, oh, you yeah. think you are special, you know, more than me, you know, that... And I believe me, there's so many times that I've talked to my wife and I think... You think you are the 
colonial, you know, master's grand granddaughter. You yeah. can talk to me like that, but yeah. nothing to do with that. She's just expressing herself as yeah. a human being. So yeah. every step is about learning, learning about just human beings. We kind of have to like continually choose and choose again and choose again who we are, who we yeah. want to be, how yeah. we want to be in the world. Yeah, because you know, between those two of us, she's very careful. She understands all oh, this man mm-hmm. was segregated by my grand grand ancestors mm-hmm. because of the color. Mm-hmm. So both ways we have to go above that. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly you have children, half Zimbabwean, half English. Mm-hmm. Those children could be segregated in England and in Zimbabwe. Or they could be really important bridges between worlds. Exactly. So we have to mix mm-hmm. the blood. So, who are the ancestors of my children? And this I tell them. In this culture in America, most of us don't know a whole lot about our ancestors. I know some stuff about my mom's father's side of the family and a little bit about my dad's side of the family, but that's kind of it. I don't know six or seven generations back the way you do. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Then you can see where our lives are breaking. Mm -hmm. This following our heart it's going to be hard if we don't know who we are. You, yeah. You said something a minute ago about the shackles coming off. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about how do you figure out and decide what it is that you actually want to do, what doesn't feel good, how to make those decisions. So my mentor who I've talked about, Martha Beck, yes. one of the many tools that she has for figuring that out is to ask the person, does it feel shackles on or shackles off? Follow your heart. Well, and it's not always easy. Yeah. And that's actually when it's most important. Yeah. So how many of us can stick their heads out there? So, you know, I'm not afraid to do that. Yeah. I can be anywhere with my mbira. Today, I just played in a church, in yeah. a funeral. I felt I had a purpose to go and play in that funeral of someone I just knew mm-hmm. two years ago. And those things happen. And the next thing, I'll be playing on a stage, I don't know. You know, last year in December, I played at the Westminster Cathedral. I had never thought I could go into a church like that and play Mbira. So my purpose is there. So I believe music can help us build bridges between cultures and people. Music is a powerful and sometimes sneaky way of doing that because... Yeah. You know, it's just this thing that's enjoyable. That who, yeah. who doesn't like music? Yeah, then someone is smiling, and you yeah. think, why is he smiling? I like that. I mean, a good example is what you said about the first time you heard me. Yep. All I knew was this feels good. I want more. <laughs> Didn't you follow your heart? Yep. If you love what you're hearing in this episode, subscribe give a five-star rating, and write a review in iTunes. And then share it with someone you know will love it too. Last summer, I found myself in a totally different kind of ceremony in the woods where I, and this was before I met Chartwell, I didn't know anything about Mbira. I had heard it once, but I didn't know anything about its purpose. So I was lying there in this ceremony. I was lying on the earth, looking up through the trees. And this powerful thing happened where I was like, I feel my ancestors here. I need to like call them in somehow. 
And so I started singing this Hebrew song, because I'm Jewish, and randomly the song I picked was Hatikva, which is the Israeli national anthem. And so I was singing and singing this, and it just was such a powerful moment. And a friend sitting next to me was like, Rose, your ancestors are here. Like, she could feel them too. And so a week later, I found myself in this meeting with a completely different group all the way across the country. And they have this practice of whenever they're having a meeting and they have one person volunteer to hold the heart for the group. So there was this session, and keep in mind this is a week after I had been spontaneously calling on my ancestors. I volunteered to hold the heart one, one session, and I dropped really deep into my heart and suddenly found myself, I guess you could call it a vision, but found myself in this place that had really moist red dirt and really lush green plants, and I had no idea where it was. I was like, is this South America? Is this Africa? I have no idea. Two weeks after that, I threw a little summer party, and Sean and Banning, the founders of Afropop, showed up and brought Chartwell with them. And Chartwell and I sat down and just started talking and talking, and we couldn't stop talking, and it was like a really heartfelt, powerful conversation. And that night, my friend Kathleen in Scotland, her daughter, Emily, has the same birthday as me and is a musician, which I knew she was a musician, but what I didn't know until that moment, and I've known these women for years, I didn't know until that moment that she is Chartwell's protege. She's 27 now. She has been his protege since she was 13. She teaches Mbira. <laughs> and so I immediately started studying Mbira with Chartwell because I had already been struck by the sound. And in my second ever Mbira lesson with Chartwell, I was like, wait a minute. Chartwell, where you're from, does it have moist red dirt and lush green everywhere? And he said, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Following the heart is about that. There's so many people who think like this, mm -hmm. but they just don't know how to shake off these shackles. And those shackles is that system. This is the monster. This is the monster that divides the people. I was just talking to you before about the powerful image I saw with my wife, with two midwives and yeah. Adula. I'm looking at these powerful, three powerful women surrounding my wife, mm -hmm. giving a birth to my child, and I'm playing Bida. That image made me feel powerless. I didn't even think I'm a man, you know, because I came through like that from a woman. So you, you look at the system. What is it yeah. that this system being run by us men? It's so funny because we all come into life through women. Yeah. And I, I see this image that made me humble. And some people look at that, it's threatening, because they see a different kind of power coming from a woman. Of course, it's powerful. Well, yeah, and, you know, we're taught in this culture, like, what is power? We're taught that it's violence and uh, power over, but there are many versions of power. Yeah. Feminine power... It might look gentle, but that doesn't mean it's not powerful. No. It's hugely no, powerful. No. And it's not always gentle. Well, <laughs> Childbirth exactly. is not exactly gentle. No, it's bloody. There's yeah. everything there. Yeah. And, and, and we talk about the cycle, the cycle of what happens with the body, the hormones, the change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. we, don't, we don't have that. Mm -hmm. 
and the connection with the moon and the earth. You know, that, <laughs> that Sunday was mostly about the tide, right? Yeah. Everything, the moon and the tide that, that swept yeah. half of New York was underwater yeah. Yeah. because the moon was at the right. I mean, that hurricane, if you look at the, the, the time of the moon, where the moon was, and that hole and the connection of the women yeah. to that. When Sandy happened, I was here in New York, and lower Manhattan lost power for four days. And there were a couple nights there where I found myself walking through the streets of New York in utter pitch black. It was so eerie, but it was also... The bling-bling is not there. It's like, what is New York like without the, the bright lights and the buzz that are associated with it? Suddenly we were going back or maybe forward. And you know, human beings, if, that light, if those lights didn't come, mm-hmm. people would have found another way of dealing yeah. with it. That's the power that we lose, the power of surviving with each other. And yeah. thinking about who is next door, who is what are they doing? We meet here in the street. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Really? Yeah, that's bullshit. It's just what we say. No, because if you say how because are you? Because we're not real with each other most of the time. Yeah. If you say how are you, I'm supposed to say, I'm not really very well, and I tell you my problems, and you listen. Or oh, I had dreams, and if you can interpret them, you interpret. Yeah. If you can't, you say, I know a dream interpreter. Yeah. Let's go. That sort of love and care for mm-hmm. each other as human beings, that's the thing mm-hmm. that makes us follow our hearts mm-hmm. because we can feel the support of the people around us. Yeah. Then it's a community. But there's yep. something that comes with the system that makes us think individually. And it becomes a material way of living I've got this, so nobody else should have it. It's mine. There are times where in America we do come together, but it usually takes a crisis. Like, for example, when 9-11 happened, where I was in Montana at the time, everyone came together. There were rituals that happened there at the World Trade Center. The blood was spilled. Spilling of the blood can actually make something a ritual, and then to build that thing up again, they had to do certain things and honor the people who died. They did that. They couldn't build that building without that. So rituals are there, but there's something about this small work that we do, both you and I, that we just have to keep doing, And, and the people you know. This work is the way forward, because believe me, we're just looking for pieces of puzzles that are already around us. I, I was sharing an idea with Chartwell yesterday about bringing together um, these various people that I know from different cultures who all carry some form of spiritual tradition. Uh, one of them is uh, Native American from Montana, Western Montana, from what the white people call the Flathead Reservation. It's actually the Salish, Kootenai, and Ponderé tribes. Uh, another uh, Tibetan Buddhist lama who currently lives in Santa Fe, but is from Tibet, was in, imprisoned by the Chinese, and is you know carries multiple ancient lineages. And 
various other people. South America. Yeah, yeah. So ver- various other people that uh, from different parts of the world who carry these ancient spiritual wisdom traditions that I want to bring together so that they can have a dialogue about, you know, what's happening in the world, what can we do together? Because I believe that it's it's those cultures that in large part are holding the heart and the soul of the world. You know, we have to have space, an open space that allows dialogue. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. And Mm -hmm. when you facilitate something like that, there's people who believe in Mbira and what I do, and your guru, and in Montana, and mother. And these people, we need to just find a thread that goes through. Because we've got different ways of describing the same thing. Those, those are the things that we need, the things that pulls cultures together. The song you're about to hear is called Buka Tiende, which means get up, let's go. This recording is from Chartwell's album, Pasichagare. I asked him to explain a bit about this song, which is one of his favorites. In the lyrics, mm-hmm. we are saying, give me the feathers so that I can fly and follow the vultures. Vultures are very sacred birds because they clean things. We were talking about that this afternoon. The vultures, people think, oh, they are nasty, they eat carcass and leave carcass, but actually they clean. Mm -hmm. So in Shona culture, they are Mm -hmm. sacred. Why would someone follow the vulture? That's, That's a different spirit right there. set of lyrics we're saying may somebody tell me where the rest of the people have gone so now we're thinking about the ancestors and then there's lyrics that say no mira mira i am standing here and standing there you know a bit like wondering where the everybody has gone It's like a song that triggers a lot of things inside me, lyrics-wise, you know. May somebody give me the feathers so that I can fly Mm -hmm. and follow the vultures. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really 
powerful words. That's what this music does. A particular song, you feel it inside you. You feel like, okay, this song, I feel different inside my body. Sometimes I feel like the blood is moving opposite way. You know, it's not, it sounds like I'm dying. But, you know, it's that feeling of what the music does inside our body. And sometimes I feel like I'm gonna cry and the tears come. I know that the emotional side of my feeling triggered by music, mm -hmm. the ancestors are around. And sometimes I play Bukati and I go to bed, I can't sleep. The song is still playing yeah. in my head. And I sleep and I dream about yeah. it. You know, I'm playing the same song. And, and it's taking me on a journey. Yeah. It's like a, a soundtrack of my life. Yeah, yeah. I was, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking, like, you have played this song for so long. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'm not playing, but it's inside, yeah. you know? And it's, you still love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing I like about Mbida is like it goes round, you know, mm -hmm. how we connect things. So yeah. it's, it's like a wheel. And sometimes I feel like I need to stop because if I don't stop, maybe I won't come back. Maybe I'll just be an ancestor forever. Thank you for listening to A Show of Hearts. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes and share it with your favorite people. Visit our website, ashowofhearts.com, where you can sign up for emails and explore all our episodes in depth. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at A Show of Hearts. Remember to choose courage, even when it's scary, 
and join me in igniting the world with our hearts. Bye-bye.